to some good news today. I know last week's uh, message was more of a lecture. Uh, content was information and there's room for that, okay? Um, I, I know we want more hope. I know we want more encouragement. Um, but listen, this is important to lay down some foundation. So today we're going to continue in sharing uh, a, a good foundation. I want to look at uh, the fourth item in our list of six things we're going to cover um, over the next, oh, well, we ha we've already started. This is week four. And I think I can pull it off and getting it done today. If I do, that's great. So I'm going to have to go rapid fire. But I want to focus on some things that we need to remember. So let's, let's dive right in. Here we go. Embracing healthy thinking, six patterns of thinking that may hinder a healthy mind. We want to think well. We want healthy thinking in our minds. And the reason I put that picture of the fireplace there, it's one of my happy places. It's on the ocean on the East Coast. That's a beach in Prince Edward Island. The fishing buoys are there on the side, and we're having a fire beside the ocean. Uh, that, to me, is peace. It's healthy. It's meditation. It's a great image. So that's why that picture is there, just in case some of you don't realize that. I did mention it at the beginning, but I'm certain we have forgotten. So today I want to talk about some patterns that hinder. And the reason I'm covering these six is to reveal what might be hidden under the surface that you may not be aware of. So let's, let's dig in. We ended up last week with this quote. Uh, it says, you can't change how you feel without changing your thoughts. You can't change your thoughts without changing your focus. And that's what I want to do. Uh, I'm going to slip a quick hello. I just noticed that Bev, uh, Bev and Chris are here. So, hey, Bev. Hey, I saw that you tried to call. Sorry I wasn't able to take your call. But uh, we'll get into it. And the Melville family is watching as well. So thank you for chiming in. All right. Stay focused, Mike. <laughs> I love it. I like distractions too. But this quote's really important. Um, we ended with it last week and we're going to start with it today. And we're going to dig into this. Uh, you need a plan in every game. You have a strategy. In every war, there is a strategy. In every sports game, there's a plan. You need to know your enemy or, or your opponent. You need to know why you keep failing at certain things. Let's discover them today. That's what this is about. If any of you enjoy the game of chess, there's a, a group of people that do enjoy chess. So you don't just, you know, knock out opponents and, and, and uh, different items on the board just randomly. There's a strategy involved because each, each, um, piece plays a certain role and, and strategizes on that. So I'm not really good at that kind of strategizing. Unless I play a lot, I can get back into it. Or there's a picture of some military people uh, planning a peace mission. Um, there's a problem and they're, they're planning how to get into a very difficult situation or uh, there's a disaster that's going on. And so here they're strategizing, thinking ahead so they don't just show up and react to everything. Um, basketball. Uh, listen, I didn't like basketball a couple years ago, but thanks to Mike Mainland, uh, he kept bugging me about watching game. I thought, okay, fine. Basketball seems so boring. I just, ugh. Um, uh, and so I find, I watched the game a couple years ago and I said, I'm going to watch the whole game. And when I was done watching the game, I was shocked. There's a strategy that goes on. 
There's a plan of different plays of how players maneuver and, and block and shoot and trick and like it's strategic. I, I couldn't believe it. I got sucked in. And so when the Raptors won the, their championship, I was over the moon. I was watching fully intent. Like I, I got it. And so again, in life, in our thinking, it's the same thing. We need to realize that we need to have a strategy. If, if you're wondering, why am I having such a hard time with my, with my thinking patterns? Today's going to be great for you because I'm going to hopefully reveal something that you may not have been aware of. Here's an old Chinese proverb. And it says this, be careful of your thoughts for your thoughts inspire your words. Be careful of your words for your words precede your actions. Be careful of your actions, for your actions become your habits. Be careful of your habits, for your habits build your character. Be careful of your character, for your character decides your destiny. That's a pretty rich, deep proverb we're thinking about. Well, in Scripture, we find some wisdom. We find wisdom in the Bible that indicates that our lives can be transformed by the way we think. There's lots of great advice that we can find in Scripture that suggests, hey, if you practice this wisdom that's being offered to you, your thinking can totally change and become healthy, and your impact on your own body, on those around you, and in society can have a, a massive change. Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's from the New American Standard Bible. The New Living Translation says it like this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let, let, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, by changing the way you think. And the message translation says it like this. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And lastly, from the passion translation, this one's really, really good. It says, stop imitating the ideals and, and opinions of the culture around you. And that includes religious culture, okay? The religious conditioning we've been given but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's King James, obviously with all the thou was and wilts in it. In the New American Standard Bible, it says, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. Now, be careful here. This is a proverb, and there's a lot of wisdom in this particular text. Now, if I think I'm a dog, does that mean I'm suddenly a dog? No. This is talking about as you think of God and what you believe about him, that will become fruit in you. If you don't believe he exists, then you're going to act like it. If you think God's angry at you, and you think God exists, then that's going to affect uh, who you are and how you act and how you function. So this is, this is a critical one. Don't overthink this one, but take it to heart. It's a good one. Um, we become, in a sense, the very thing we think most on. That's why I'm calling you to attention to consider and take stock of what you do think 
about most often? Are you just free flowing willy nilly? Do, do you over intense? And we're going to cover some of those today. It's going to be good. But anyway, this is what this happens when we do not control our minds instead allow any and every thought to enter our minds and then go with each thought. This is a dangerous thing to do. And if you're on Facebook at all, this is, there you go. That there's evidence there. One person hits a post, all these comments begin and the rabbit trail of different thoughts all come out and people just react, react, react. And it's like, folks, come on, let's, let's stop posting all this crap of, um, bad news news. Let's, let's focus on good things. <laughs> uh, I, I posted a video this morning that I thought it, it just melted my heart. So, wow, this was like a, this, this was good news to me. So I posted it instead of a news story that somebody else posted and I'm resharing. Let's, let's find ways to reduce that kind of negativity and find ways to become positively intentional. All right, let's get into this. Number one, six patterns of thinking that hinder a healthy mind. Do you want a healthy mind? Great. Do you not have a healthy mind? Well, maybe one of these six things will be obvious to you. You go, oh, maybe one of these things. Well, if I can learn to not get sucked into that pattern because now I'm aware of it, I can actually change things around. And you can. That's the good news. You have the power to change. And I love that. Number one, this is uh, probably the, one of the biggest uh, hindrances to healthy thinking. That's a cynical, negative, pessimistic thinking uh, as a default. If you're wondering if you're one of them, ask those around you that love you the best that you can receive an honest answer from. They'll tell you pretty quick, yep, you're always looking at negative things. Yep, you're always... Uh, focusing on the worst outcome. You're always, and that's what happens. Like when we hear of a circumstance, immediately we begin to think, oh, we can't do that. Here's all the reasons why you can't. You see the worst in every circumstance. Not good. You see the worst. Your attention is drawn to the negative. You're seeing every slight imperfection. Well, that wasn't quite good enough. That guy's guitar was just out of tune. Uh, that voice cracked. Or uh, you know what? That was just a, the lyrics were terrible. There was one phrase in it that was just, ugh, oh my God, I can't listen to this stuff more anymore. And then you run off to the next thing. Listen, this kind of thinking super, super unhelpful. This is toxic. And uh, I pray that none of you have this as your primary default. If you do, repent, change your mind. That's what repent means. Uh, and find better ways to think because nobody likes to be around cynical people. Um, cynical people like cynical people because they go, oh, somebody else to spar with. But nobody else wants to be around you. It's hard. So it's work. Number two. Oh, no, Hebrews 3.19. Here we go. Um, this is an example. Uh, it says in Hebrews 3.19, they never got there because they never listened. They never believed from the message. Or the New Living Translation says, so we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter this rest, his rest. This is talking about the Israelites. They had negative thinking throughout Scripture. If you remember the stories of Israel coming out of Egypt and, and the Red Sea and the manna and all the griping, complaining. Oh, my goodness, they were complaining professionals. But it was their, their belief that hindered them, their wrong thinking. So take a lesson to that. I hope, hopefully you can, you can catch that. Isaiah 41, 9 to 10 says, For I have chosen you and will not throw you away, which is really important for us to realize because some of us think we're 
uh, a heap of dung and are not worth keeping. And we see ourselves that way, but that's not how your father sees you or your heavenly father. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. That's a really cool old covenant word that still speaks into today because that still reflects beautifully your heavenly father and Christ who lives in you right now. John 14, 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid. Well, it's easy to get troubled right now, but let me say this. I don't think it's wrong to feel fear or begin worrying. I think where we need to uh, guidance and course corrections is if we stay in those patterns. So if you find yourself in a rut where you're in a spin cycle of worry and being troubled or afraid, that's where these words of encouragement may uh, inspire you. Uh, I don't think we need to beat ourselves up for having thoughts like that. That's not the issue. It's what we do with those thoughts. Number two, intuitive psychic thinking. Uh, do you have a pattern of this? Um, they think that uh, um, these are individuals that can read the intention of the person they're, they're with. I've bumped into this I, and I've done this. I know what they're really thinking. I know what they mean because I've seen enough patterns and we think we know better. We think we can read people's minds. We think there's a, a distrust. We have the, the other person has hidden motives. This, this intuitive psychic thinking is not helpful for relationships. <laughs> um, you're reading between the lines. And again, I think this kind of thinking comes up when there's conflict. I think when conflict happens between two people or a group of people or in a, in a ministry or in a, uh, uh, a work setting, this stuff comes out. We, we do run into uh, the psychic thinking. Um, paranoia comes in. We're worried. Oh, no. What are they thinking about me? Now it's, you flip it. Um, you're, you're too obsessed with and, and thinking their thoughts that were never there in the first place. They hate me. I'm going to get fired soon. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this, th this paranoia one sometimes hits me once in a while when I'm concerned about the future. I think, uh Oh, what's going to happen with this? And I, I run through all sorts of scenarios <laughs> it's like, Ee. uh, intuitive thinkers become judgmental because they think they know what others are thinking and you just write them off. And it's very unforgiving. These intuitive psychic thinking hinders any kind of forgiveness in healthy relationships. So hopefully that's not you. First Samuel 18 verses six and seven says this, when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens thousands. There was an insecurity that uh, Saul had. And he became very jealous of David and he became psychic thinking. He thought he could read the minds of people. He thought David was after him. So he began a campaign of trying to take him out and kill him. But it's all because of guessing what someone's thinking. Have you ever been misunderstood? Ever? Has your tone been misunderstood? <laughs> I'm a professional at that. Has your action been misinterpreted? Um, when it was called out as bad, when really you had every good intention. 
Well, if that has ever happened to you, then please give the same grace to others. Don't think their thoughts for them. Give them the benefit of the doubt over and over and over again if you can. Number three, extremist self-absorbed thinking. This is a nasty one. Um, the absorbed thinking is it's, uh, it's an ego trip. It really is. This is, this is about um, uh, making a big deal out of everything. Uh, oh, no. The, you know, it's the, 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 okay. Okay. I have an embarrassing um, uh, story. Not story, but just an example because my wife makes fun of me all the time when it comes to uh, I suddenly yell something, Hey, look, uh, potato chips are on sale. But the way I start off is like, it's something really important, you know, and I'm all, Oh, cool. Look at that. And I just kind of get excited about this small thing. So it's kind of extreme. Um, do you ever blow everything out of, out of proportion? Oh no. Um, uh, I'm, they're not, my kid's not back yet. And it's like 1am. Oh, oh. Uh, they've been murdered by an axe murderer. Um, and you, you think of the absolute worst all the time, extreme thinking. Uh, we imagine events that are so far away from reality. We worry. And again, this is a worrying one too. You overanalyze and, and in your whole life, you're moving from one extreme to the next extreme self-absorbed thinking is about purporting, uh, um, an energy of extremism, of uh, an event in your life. Something's always wrong. There are people that we know that always have something wrong. And it's always about their story. So if you say, hey, if they ask you, how are you doing? And say, yeah, you know, I had a rough day at work. And then they jump in, well, my day. And they just have to top your story. So this is, this is about self-absorbed because it's more about them uh, then it is about caring for those outside of them. So over-analysis happens. They dissect situations. Um, they read an article. Oh, no, Jesus is coming back soon. The end of the world's coming. All these conspiracy theories. This kind of stuff is fuel for, for uh, conspiracy theorists. And the, the web is rampant with all that stuff. Please, people, don't post that stuff. What a waste of energy. And you could be focusing on good news and encourage somebody who needs it. So this is extremist self-absorbed thinking. That's number three. We're moving along. I think we're going to get finished today. I sure hope so. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7 says this. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. Oops, did we just read that? For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Avoid everything that's wrong. Did you hear that last part? Avoid everything that's wrong. That includes half the posts we post on Facebook and, and hear from the news. because A lot of it's just wrong info. I don't know. I don't know how to discern it all, but I will trust my Lord. I am going to put my attention on Christ. I don't have to know and understand everything that's going on around me. I don't. That, that's, that's a problem today. We think we need to know and have to have all this control. Well, that's, this is a good proverb. Take out that one to heart. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7. Look it up again later in another translation. You'll be encouraged. Self-depreciating thinking. This is a tough one. Always putting yourself down. 
not being able to see accomplishments that you've done. You minimize a compliment. Oh, that was amazing. No, no, it wasn't. You know, my voice was off on this or, oh no, see that flaw over there? I wasn't wearing the right outfit. You know, people are trying to be nice to you and you keep bashing it. Listen, it's so difficult for those who have a gift of encouragement when you keep trying to encourage somebody and you get slapped down for it. Like eventually you, you get tired and go, okay, this person's not receiving at all what I'm able to offer. I'm going to stop because there's no point here. They've got such a wall up that you can't break through. These uh, self-depreciating thinkers um, make the compliment a joke or turn it back on the other person. They never see themselves as worth rescuing. Folks, people care about you. If you're in a difficult situation and your friends who love you, see it and want to help you. Like I've had phone calls with people this week in, in tough circumstances just to talk them through and encourage them and take the advice of those. There, there's help available if you look for it and listen for it. The remedy for this low self-esteem is to tell people who they are in Christ. This self-depreciating thinking person is someone who needs to know their identity in Christ. They may say they know it, but they have forgotten or are not focusing on that thinking. So keep that in mind. Number five, emotionally driven thinking. All right, there's negative emotions that come from them. They're driven from inside and how they're feeling. Uh, thoughts uh, running on feelings is dangerous. You don't uh, let your thinking be guided by your emotions. You know why? Because your emotions are often, most often driven by your thinking the other way around. And usually your thinking is caused by what you're focusing on and what you're looking on. Now, let me take an example for a movie for a moment. Let's say you're, you're watching a movie and there's a big storm and uh, a lightning strike hits the car beside in the scene in the show and, and you kind of, ah, it startles you and ah, are you actually in any danger at that moment? No, you, but you cringed, you startled, your body reacted to, the uh, this visual stimulus. Well, there is an example of what you're thinking about affects your emotions. All right. Um, this is really important to remember. And sometimes if you flip it to a, a real honest, uh, scary situation, if, if you really are in danger, sometimes your emotions override as a protection because you can't process what's going on around you. But there are people who just live from emotions. They also uh, are burned. They've been burned in the past. They don't trust anyone in the future. They question everything. Um, and worry is their number one theme. Like they may not even know it. But this emotionally driven thinking is a, is a brutal one. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19 says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. <coughs> maybe, maybe this should be our verse for Hope Fellowship. That, um, let's forget about what is happening. And instead of focusing on this, such a, this negative um, COVID time of isolation, maybe we look forward, hey, what's God got up his sleeve? What's he got in store for us? What's he got in store for you? What looks terrible right now might be great things coming later, but we're not able to see it. Well, if you're looking for it, you will see it. So that's a, that, that, that was such an encouraging verse. Number six, 
fantasy thinking. Fantasy thinking. This comes from my buddy Ken. Um, we were going through all, all six of these or all five of them. And he said, there's one missing on here. And uh, when he explained it to me, it made total sense. Fantasy th thinking. I've done this. You have done this. Um, this is more of a zoom, zoomed in of some of the elements of the other five. Fantasy thinking is about creativity. It's playing out all the ways a situation may end up negative and positive. And so you begin to plan for all these scenarios in your head. Well, if this happens, then I got to be ready for this. And if this happens, then I have to be ready for that. Strategists love this. But when we're dealing day to day, you can't be living as a default in fantasy thinking. These people dwell on the negative and create more and more outcomes and you just become exhausted. In fact, it'll affect your psyche in how you feel and the energy you send off and, and the energy you feel. Dreaming up your own movie in your head of how it'll all play out. This is creativity unchecked. That really is what it is. <laughs> it's about to sleep. Fantasizing. This is about fantasizing uh, regrets. You start to uh, think back, uh-oh, I shoulda, woulda, coulda, but I never did and all the regrets. That's fantasy thinking too. Um, so this is not what we're called to. We're not called to sit and daydream and let our thoughts run wild of what can happen. Very unhealthy. Um, is there room for some of this stuff? Yes, there is in certain, certain circumstances, but this is about default thinking. All six of these things is about default. So we've covered these six so far. Cynical negative thinking, very pessimistic. Um, intuitive thinking, you're thinking of other people's thoughts, you think you know more than they do, um, you're reading between the lines, extremist self-absorbed thinking, you're always flipping to one extreme to the another, self-depreciating thinking, you don't like yourself, you can't respect yourself, and therefore nobody can respect you. So it, this, this really tough thinking has got to be fixed with better thinking, seeing yourself as crises, you emotionally driven thinking, letting your emotions just wee all over the place. We're not called to that. And making movies in your head of all the potential outcomes. This is, this is not uh, the kind of thinking that we're called to. Fear and worry are at the root of all of these six. Worry is an expression of faith in God's absence or lack of concern. It's the firstborn son of fear. So worry is really negative faith. It really is. It's very powerful. I came across this uh, on a post today, and I want to read this to you as we wrap this up. This is pretty powerful. I'm around you like a cocoon of light. My presence with you is a promise, independent of your awareness of me. Many things can block this awareness, but the major culprit is worry. My children tend to accept worry as an inescapable fact of life. However, worry is a form of unbelief. It is anathema to me. Who is in charge of your life? If it is you, then you have good reason to worry. But since I'm in charge, worry is both unnecessary and counterproductive. When you start to feel anxious about something, relinquish the situation to me. Back off a bit. Redirecting your focus to me, I will either take care of the problem myself or show you how to handle it. In this world, you will have problems, but you need not lose sight 
of me. <laughs> That's pretty powerful. Wow. I can't believe we got through all that that quickly. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about three powerful actions that will empower and enhance healthy thinking patterns. And so uh, be ready for that one. The, in fact, next week is going to be even more practical. Uh, we just talked about some um, six things that we shouldn't be focused on um, by calling it out. We may not even be aware of these hindrances or these walls that may be up or around us. Uh, now we can call them out, tear them down, and look for replacements, better ways to respond. So next week, we're going to talk about three different things we can do uh, to have healthier thinking. Let's pray. Father